everything you hear on this podcast episode is non-commercial, fair use, Creative Commons license. Welcome back to episode 205 of the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. Today, we're going to listen to two clips from the author and strategist, Robert Greene. The first clip is Robert Greene giving us an eight-minute breakdown on his own book titled Mastery, where the author speaks on the crisis of modern-day people's inability to live authentic, self-reflecting lives. The advent of smartphones, the internet, instant gratification from social media dopamine has reduced most people to the level of tiny plastic Lego blocks in a fake illusionary Lego castle. And that comes with a side order of 2,000 subscribers and followers. If you want to break the cycle of slave mentality and living a existence of suffering, uh, I recommend that you listen to this episode very carefully. Robert Greene is outlining why we need to live a life of purpose. And understand that when you live a life of purpose, you will transcend the mundane Groundhog Day day-to-day existence most people find themselves living today without realizing why they remain in a state of illusion and suffering. The second clip we're going to listen to today is a nine-minute segment from an interview with Robert Greene on the Andrew Huberman podcast, where Robert breaks down how people lose their connection with their inner voice which guided them in childhood. Robert also covers the eight types of intelligence written about by author Howard Gardner, which actually transcends the traditional IQ test. These eight types of intelligence are as follows. Body kinesthetic or athletic ability. Interpersonal or people smart. Verbal, linguistic or word speaking, writing smart. Logical or mathematical intelligence or logic problem solving smart. Naturalistic or nature smart. Intrapersonal or knowledge of self smart. Visual, spatial smart or ability to learn by observation or visually. And last, musical or music smart. One of the main things that I'm able to get from Robert Greene's writings is how we need to have the ability to leave the victim mentality and to become strategic thinkers and create our own reality and create our own existence where we are the ones that determine how we end up in life and our ability to transcend the day-to-day mundane people who just follow instructions, rinse, wash, and repeat and just become masters of our own destiny. So let's get into the episode. I want you to develop a different mindset. I want you to go against the tide of the 21st century and develop mastery. I wrote a book, it came out, I think 10 years ago now, maybe nine years ago, called Mastery. It is my fifth book, and it's a very, very important book, and I'm going to summarize it for you. I'll just say first that the reason it's so important is a lot of people nowadays are very undisciplined. They think because of their phones and because of technology, they can get whatever they want just by clicking, just by pointing their finger. 
and it kind of carries over into their into all aspects of life. And I want you to develop a different mindset. I want you to go against the tide of the 21st century and develop mastery. So how do you do it? There are six steps that I lay out in the book. The first step is by far the most important, and it's not by far the most important in the book. It's the most important thing in your life. You master this first chapter and everything else will fall into place. It's discover your life's task. Discover what makes you unique. Discover what you were meant to accomplish in life, right? Your calling. What that means is when you were very young, you were a unique person. Your DNA, your experience in life mark you out as like nobody else that has ever existed in the past or will ever exist in the future. You are one of a kind. You were meant to do something in life that reflects that uniqueness, whether it's in sports, whether it's in music or the arts, whether it's in science and mathematics, whether it's in social and working with other people, whether it's in an engineering sense, kind of abstract reasoning, you have a power, a superpower. It was given to you, a seed that was planted at your birth. And if you know what that uniqueness is, if you're able to hone in on it, now when you're 20 years old and you enter the work world, you have a sense of direction. I love physical things. I'm born for athletics, for sports, All right? Now you can follow that path. And then eventually in your career, you'll turn that into something larger. Or for me, it was writing, etc. I experimented. I tried different forms of writing. But knowing that that was my life's purpose gave me an incredible sense of direction. In my book, Master, I give you all kinds of tips for discovering it. It's a voice inside of you that you're not listening to, but that you can rediscover. Once you find your life's task, you then enter in the second phase, which is the apprenticeship phase, which is the most important in a way. I mean, the first one is the key. The second one is the most kind of critical for your progress. It's the period in your 20s when you're learning various skills. You want to value learning over money. What matters to you is learning as much as you can about the field that excites you. Developing skills that you can combine later on when you turn 30 or 32 into something unique and powerful, a business, a startup, a book, any kind of career in science or whatever, right? You need to, to be developing skills and taking it very seriously, gaining the discipline that will carry you through life. And just think of your 20s as an apprenticeship phase that you have to go through, just like it did in the Middle Ages, like seven, eight years of working, working diligently. And if it's something that you love, it's exciting. The third thing is actually a part of the apprenticeship phase. And it's what I call working with a mentor. So there are no shortcuts to mastery. There are no hacks. There are no way to cut it down from 10 years of hard work to two years. But having a good mentor is the only conceivable shortcut. Finding somebody who has experience, who's made mistakes, who can teach you, guide you, who can say, this is good, this is bad, can help you avoid wasting a lot of time and really give you the focus that is necessary. And in mastery, I give you clues for finding the perfect mentor. It's generally someone that you connect with emotionally. It's like your second parent, but it can be a very valuable relationship. The fourth step is what I call social intelligence. 
And what I mean by that is, you could be so brilliant at what you do, you could have all the skill in the world, you could be technically proficient, you can know coding, left, right, and center better than anyone else. But if you're not good with people, it won't matter at all, right? You'll be making mistakes, you'll be offending people, and every time you advance through your brilliant ideas, you'll fall back because you'll say something stupid, you'll do something bad, and, and we're a social animal. So this chapter, this part is about developing it. Like you develop skills in the apprenticeship phase, your social intelligence is a skill you must develop. And I explain how you need to be empathetic, how you need to be more attentive to other people. If you are socially intelligent, and you have skill, the world is your oyster. You will open up and that opens up to the fifth step in the way, which is unlocking your creativity. Once you have learned all the heuristics, all of the skills you need to learn in your particular field, and you're socially aware, you've worked with a mentor. Now you're able to take all of those ideas and make something original and creative to take that energy and do something that no one else has done before. And a lot of people don't do that. They're afraid now. They've learned all the skills, all the things they need to know. But to take that next step and do something different, start their own business, write something new that's never been written before, create uh, an organization that's never been done before, they're afraid of that. They're locked in that apprenticeship phase. They don't want to leave it. They want to stay with the corporation and do what you want. Creativity means... I'm going to take all those skills and I'm going to be bold and I'm going to do something new and different. And if you follow the path that I lay out in the first four chapters, your mind will start opening up and things will come to you. And I have many stories in there of the beautiful things that happen to people once they enter that realm of starting to be creative with all the major things that they've learned in life. If you take that far enough, if you keep going farther and farther into the creative process, always learning, always being flexible, you will arrive at the ultimate, the sixth step, which is mastery, which I call fusing the intuitive with the rational. You have so much skill, you have so much experience, you no longer have to think. You have a feel for what comes next. You have an intuition. Ideas come to you out of nowhere. If you're playing chess, you see 40 moves in advance in like a flash of a second. If you're playing the piano, you no longer have to worry about your fingers. You're, you're just automatically doing it. Your mind is elsewhere. It's in the flow, right? If you're a scientist, discoveries will suddenly come to you. It's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. It's a sublime feeling. And I give stories in there. Many of us may never reach that level. I know I've had flashes of it, but I'm not considering myself. I've, I've attained that level of mastery. But it's an amazing feeling. And I want to inspire each and every one of you to reach that level of mastery by going through those six steps, by being patient and disciplined, by being creative and independent, and then finally following it to the end where ideas come to you and you are the master of your field. And so I think the book is designed to lead you and, and seduce you into following this process. And that is mastery for you. Well, you know, being a human being is not easy as opposed to an animal because we're born and nobody gives us like a direction. Our parents might be a little bit at our college, teachers, et cetera, mentors, but generally we're on our own. And it's a very, very difficult process. You wake up in the morning and you don't really know what you're 
what you can do. You could choose 12 different paths. It can be very confusing and very overwhelming. When you find that sense of purpose, when you find what I call your life's task, everything has a direction. Everything has a purpose. Your energy is concentrated. It's not like you're just going down a single narrow pathway. It's not like life becomes boring and it's just about discipline and solving problems. It's actually the most exciting thing that can ever happen to you because you never have that lost feeling. You wake up in the morning and you go, yeah, this is what I need to accomplish. People come at you with all kinds of distractions and boring and irritating things. You're able to cut it out. It's just the most marvelous piece of internal radar that you can have. So I genuinely wish that everybody can find that kind of internal radar. And so it's not easy, and I understand that. There's no like instant formula because we're all about instant formulas. It's difficult, and I want you to know that so it's not like Robert can give me the answer in three minutes. No, I can't. But there's a process involved. It's not, it's not, you know, a mystery. You can follow a very singular process. And the idea is, you were talking about childhood. The way I like to frame it is, when you were born, you are a phenomenon. You are unique. Your DNA has never occurred in the history of the universe, going back billions of years. It will never occur in the future. Your life experience with your parents and everything that you experience in your early years going on up is unique. It's yours. You are one of a kind, right? So that is your source of power. To waste that is just the worst thing you can do in your life. And what, what the power is, is finding that uniqueness. What makes you you and how you can mine that and how you can go deep into it and use that to create a career path, right? And so I tell people when you're a child, when you're four or five, or even younger, you have what the great psychologist Maslow called impulse voices. They're little voices in your head that say, I love this, I hate that, I like this food, I don't like when mommy moves this way, I like when daddy comes from here. You're very cued into who you are and what you like and what you don't like. And these voices kind of direct you in certain ways, right? And when you're very young, they direct you towards intellectual, mental pursuits as well. And there's a book I recommend for everybody. Uh, it's Howard Gardner's Five Frames of Mind. It's helped me immensely. The idea is he talks about five forms of intelligence. Our problem is we think of intelligence as mostly intellectual, but there are many forms of intelligence. There's the intelligence that has to do with words. There's abstract intelligence that has to do with patterns and mathematics. There's kinetic intelligence that has to do with the body. There's social intelligence. He has five of them. And the idea is your brain naturally veers towards one of them. It can veer towards two of them. That happens. But generally, one of them kind of dominates, right? And it's like a grain in your brain that's going in a certain direction. You want to go with that grain and because that's where your power will lie. So when you're young, if you go back and think about when you were four or five, you, you can maybe get a picture of some kind of direction or voice inside of you that was impelling you towards this. I know for me, it was words. I, from, I can remember when I was six years old, I was just obsessed with words, just the letters in words almost like in this almost slightly schizophrenic way. I would spell words backwards. I would take them apart. I would do anagrams. I love palindromes, right? So I had a thing about words and language. It's very primal. Some people, you know, Albert Einstein, when he was four years old, his father gave him a birthday gift of a compass. 
And he was just mesmerized by this compass, the idea that there are invisible forces out there in the cosmos moving this needle. And he's obsessed with the idea of invisible forces. Steve Jobs, when he was like seven or eight or maybe younger in Burlingame, California, his father, they passed by a store with dev technological devices in the window. And he was just hypnotized by the design of those devices and the glass tubes and everything. So he wanted to go in that direction. You know, Tiger Woods saw his father hitting golf balls in the garage, and he was just like screaming with joy. He had to, he had to do that, right? You know, I can give you a million different examples of this. Of course, these are people who are famous, obviously. We can go back and find that. It's easier. But what happens to you, and please cut me off if I'm going on too long no, here. No, please continue. Okay. Please. What happens to you is you're seven, now you're getting older, and you're starting to not hear that voice anymore. You're hearing the voice of your teachers telling you, you're not good at this field. You need to get better at math. You know, you, you shouldn't be interested in these sports or anything. You should be going in this direction. Your parents are starting to tell you this is the career they want for you or the direction they want you to go in, right? You start hearing that more than your own voice. And as you get older, it gets worse and worse and worse. Then when you're a teenager, it's all about what other people are doing, your peers, what's cool, what's not cool, you know? And that kind of is more, so all of these noise enters your brain and you can't hear that anymore. You don't know who you are. And so you go to college, you kind of maybe choose a, a, a major that seems practical that your parents want you to go into. Maybe you kind of wander around, you're not sure. And then you enter the work world without that inner radar that I'm talking about. And you, brother, you're lost, right? Where should I go? Well, I need to make money, right? And so you make a choice based on the need to make a lot of money. Some, not everyone, but some people do that. And I understand that need. We all need to make a living. But that can set you off on a very bad path because you're not connected emotionally. The thing is, when you figure out that primal inclination, that grain that's inside of you, then you have the, the energy to, to do to be disciplined, to go through boring tasks, to learn. You learn at a faster rate because you're emotionally engaged. When you're emotionally engaged in a subject, the brain learns twice, three times, four times as fast as when you're not. I always give the example. In college, I studied foreign languages, which was kind of a passion of mine. For three or four years, I studied French. And then I went to Paris, and I couldn't speak a word. It was, it was useless because it didn't teach me anything practical, right? I was totally confused. And then, but I was in Paris and I, and I loved it and I wanted to live there, right? And I had a girlfriend and I needed to speak French to her. And I can tell you in one month, I learned more than those four years of university because I wanted to, because I was engaged. My emotions were there. It was like I had to survive to learn French. Whereas, so most of us, we don't have a need really to learn this subject. We're half, we're paying half attention. But when you find that thing that really connects to you, you're paying deep attention, your emotions are engaged, you're learning at a much faster rate, okay? And so the thing is, how do you find that when you're older? When you're 21, I, I, I give people a lot of help and it's usually not so difficult. We can go through that process. It gets harder when you're 30 and you've been wandering around, but it's not impossible. I didn't really start find my exact path until I was 38, 39, to be honest. So there's hope. 
when you get 40 and you get 50, it gets more and more difficult, right? And it's very sad if you wasted that seed of uniqueness that I'm talking about. And I tell people there are ways of going back and we go through a process like archaeology. We have to dig and dig and dig and find those bones from your childhood that indicated what you were meant to do. But when you find your life's task, everything opens up. It doesn't mean you figured out, okay, I've got to aim for this particular job when I'm 28. That's not how it works. It gives you a sense of direction. You can try different things. You can experiment. You can have fun when you're in your 20s. You're going to learn. You're going to learn skills. But it gives you an overall framework instead of, whoa, all of this confusion, this chaos, social media, the internet. I could go here, here, here. You're lost at sea. It gives you a very important sense of direction, a compass. You're really going to tell me you don't get it yet. You don't fucking get it yet. I've been in the greatest place mentally, in prison, in the shoe, with nothing but my personal development process. And I was completely living in a high frequency, high vibration state where my life was great in those moments that I cultivated that high frequency mindset. Now, obviously, law of polarity, you have to experience lows. Accept them and then know how to get yourself back up high. It can't be a high that comes with a low. It has to just be high and low frequency due to actual stimulus that takes place inside yourself. It cannot be external stimulus. It cannot be. It has to be thoughts, actions, and energy. And these actions are only ones that a human can partake in by self. It cannot be the consumption of vices, cannot be the consumption of certain things that cause stimulus to take effect, to put you in an elated state which has an eventual down. Can't be anything like that. No drugs, no alcohol, no fucking bullshit. You possess everything within you and the tools already come, you already come equipped with the tools to put yourself in a high frequency state. Now the problem is, is everyone freaks out when they get back into a low frequency state. I don't even address it. I know what it is. It's just a temporary place, a contraction phase. And an expansion is eminent. An expansion as is as eminent as we want it to be. You can step right into an expansion phase when you understand how to get yourself there. It's always gonna be helping other people, which will make you forget that you're in a contraction phase. When you forget you're in a contraction phase, you're actually being in a state of peace and acceptance. This will be a high frequency state. This is inner peace, not knowing time as it passes by. I'm even here on this camera. I exist in a state of inner peace, a flow state, because I don't address self in a negative way while on camera. There's no negativity here. There's nothing, nothing but positivity as I put myself in a place to assist others, a vessel, an antenna above 
to fully download a message that must come forth from me to you. I don't even believe in unmaking old traumas or facing past situations. I don't even believe in it. I don't believe that nothing exists but this moment. And this moment is either high frequency or low frequency. Now, if you can't forget the event and it triggers a reaction, well, now there's a problem with you continually remembering the event as an individual who likes to place emphasis on why this event shaped you, thus your story. You need to take control of the story you're telling yourself. I could have, could have easily been a convict who has no ability to get a job and is this type of person. But I just went out helping people. That's your answer, you stupid piece of shit. When you're sitting there believing your trauma is overrunning you, you just go help people and it goes away. Thus what I've said, becoming the source of what you seek. Now my day's set up to only serve people in the way that was most valuable to me, which is mindset, training, nutrition, dropping all vices, and really gaining control of life. Very simple. You guys need it to be complicated because you're fucking morons. And you don't realize that they created systems like therapy and all these things to hold you in a state of healing. You can heal as quick as you understand that there's no healing to be had. Humans only exist in this fucking moment. And this moment is high frequency or low frequency, depending solely on your thoughts. So even if a bad thing happened to me and I'm in a high frequency state, I can look at it like it was a beautiful thing. Prison was beautiful. Look what it did to me, yes. But then someone else who didn't do anything with it and cultivated a negative mindset around it, they would blame it, thus trapping themselves there. We're supposed to experience highs and lows. What the fuck would life be if you only won? If there was only highs, you fucking assholes. I like the lows better than the highs. I win more during a losing season. I lose more during a winning season because I'm not moving forward in my conscious capacity when I'm winning. That's why I don't care about winning or losing. That's why I'm stoic towards it. Someone asked me today, what does it feel like? Like, do you ever just trip on where you're at? I'm like, where the fuck am I at? I'm not anywhere. What are you talking about? I don't give a fuck about it. I give zero shits about it. When you've affected as many people in a positive way as I have, and you realize all we have is this moment, then you've solved every problem in just one simple equation that I'm just gonna become the source of what my solutions were and it'll all come to me. But then I've created pathways to help people through it. I, I couldn't have made it any easier, you guys. I couldn't have shown it more clearly. I couldn't have made it any easier I couldn't have proven my point with more people than I have. Keep believing in the fuckery that you believe in. The only thing people really need to buy is personal development. What are the areas you should invest in if you have money right now?
skill set, mindset, aesthetics. You should invest in your body, in your aesthetics, in your looks. You should invest in your mindset, the way you perceive life, your core beliefs, your belief systems. You should invest in a skill set. This is what you need to do. You're like, well, it's a skill set. Dude, speaking on camera is a skill set. Learning to build your social media is a skill set. Selling is a skill set, one of the best ones. If you're not good at any of these things, it's usually because you haven't put the reps in. It is so fucking delusional for people to believe that if they really put the reps into anything, that it won't work out. You have to be fucking crazy. It's just that you guys don't like the timeline. People like me don't care about the timeline. I don't even care about the result. Nothing changed. I'm just chilling in this house by myself at peace like I was in the cell. I'm not in a different cell. I'm no longer in a cell because I wasn't in the cell before I left the cell. I was already worth hundreds and millions of dollars. I was a priceless individual before I ever made any money because I knew that there was no price you could put on actually getting in alignment. Love you guys. Let's go. Welcome to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. I like to cover topics from ancient history, great leaders and generals from the past, and I also like to talk about self-realization, truth, critical thinking, and strategic spirituality. Outside the box, nonconformist. I'm here to shatter the myths of the mainstream media and the beta sheeple narrative. My email address is alphamalebuddhist at gmail.com. My website is alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com. My Instagram is alphamalebuddhist. And check out my YouTube channel, Alpha Male Buddhist, and that's on YouTube. It is the podcast accompanied with video clips that integrate exactly with the podcast so it's motivational and inspirational. I also have promotional t-shirts. If you go to my website, alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com, you can see the promotional t-shirts there. Reach out to me. Also, if you have any show notes or any suggestions that you would like to hear on the podcast, just reach out and see if I can get that done. I've been getting some really Great emails and feedback from my listeners, which is great. So I want to thank you for listening and namaste.